I think it's annoying that we live in a world where like we've got this breakfast lunch dinner pattern because I don't necessarily think that fits most everyone. people. I like a smoothie at eleven o'clock. I've realised this now. I, I like small portions throughout the day, yeah. constantly. Like every few hours, I, I could happily eat every few hours, but like small, obviously. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're all good, you're all good. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> welcome to episode eight of Eat With Amy. Um, we are doing part two of the eating disorder chat. And I've decided to split Maya and Beth up because they would not stop arguing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I just think that it would be more beneficial that both of them could sort of say their piece without having to, like, you know, interject with each other. I think it's nicer that they each get their own episodes. So part two, I'm with Beth. Hello. Hello. Hello, Beth. Hey. I won't make her introduce herself for the third time, but yeah. she's back. Um, if you haven't listened to part one, listen to part one. So you can, we, that sets the scene. This episode... We're going to talk about Beth's specific journey with her eating disorder. She had anorexia for six years, seven years, six years. Uh, I'd say six and a half years. Six and a half years. She's fully recovered now. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Yay! And we're just going to talk a bit about that, I guess. Um, so the first thing mm-hmm. I wanted to You've ask you about. Um, yeah, this is going to be more interviewy, to be fair, than I quite conversation. like that, though. It's easier it, for it you. Because it gives me structure. Yeah, it's it? easier for you. Because otherwise I go a little bit off topic. Everyone loves the episodes that we do, though. Okay, trust that's me, good. trust me. Anyway, so um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about was just tell me a bit about your childhood, because you got you you were diagnosed officially when you were twenty one. Oh, 20. Oh, yeah, twenty. No, it was twenty. Twenty. Yeah. So what? What in the lead up to? The, give me. Obviously, it's twenty years. So just give me a very brief overview about things in your life up till then. I had a great childhood. You know, I'm very lucky. I have an amazing family two brilliant parents and um yeah I was given a lot of love so I think my childhood was a privileged one for Mm -hmm. sure obviously there were things that probably contributed to me getting anorexia that happened within my childhood um things that happened to probably everyone yeah like getting bullied for example when I was in primary school though it was quite bad Mm -hmm. Mm, I thought it was bad at the time um, I mean, when you're that young, your world is quite small. So was, anything is going to be upsetting. Yeah. The smallest things would be upsetting. But yeah. So I think, and I, I had a lot of um, insecurities as a, as a young girl, uh, especially just like confidence issues, I guess. Um, but outside of that, I was very happy. I was raised with a severely disabled brother, um, Matthew. Shout out to Matthew, the light of my life. Love you. He won't be listening to this, but (laughs) I can play it to him. Uh, And I guess that probably had an effect on our family dynamic, for sure. Yeah. Do you feel like, because you're the youngest of three. I was definitely spoiled as well. (laughs) Do you think, I don't know the answer to this, but do you think that, obviously because Matthew's severely disabled, Mm -hmm. a lot of attention was on Matthew... Did you ever feel like Do you, know you what? were... I never, ever felt left out. You never felt left out. I got so much love and attention from my parents. Mm. They did such an amazing job. I could never, ever fault them. Mm. Uh, I think maybe... I don't know. We had a lot of people in and out of our house growing up. Lots of carers living with us. Mm. We had a lot of people in and out of our lives. I don't know whether that might have had an effect on me. It's really difficult to tell, isn't it? Yeah. When you look I'm, back, it's like, I, I, I can't pinpoint. I think it, it kind of, I think, I guess it kind of depends on 
on your own in eating disorder and your own like yeah. your own experience I was a it. difficult kid do you right. know what yeah, I'm saying yeah. you, right. speak about because uh, you've spoken to me before about you as an individual yeah okay so this is me as an individual I don't know what affected me maybe you know my parents sorry mum and dad for saying this but they didn't get on all the time and they did argue a lot but I'm right. not going to go into that because it's yeah. quite personal to them and yeah, I'll leave, yeah, of that. Course, I'll leave course. that to, to them um, but I was a difficult child and I would get into fits of absolute rage <laughs> It's mad. I've, I'm a lot more tame now. Definitely still. I've got, I'm a Scorpio, so. Do you tell the story of okay. the banister. I feel oh, like, I feel this like is not one time. Okay, fine. So as a little girl, when I was about 11 years of age, if I couldn't finish my homework or someone didn't give me the undivided attention I really needed, I would go to the banister in my stairway and climb over it and screamed to my mum and dad that I was going to kill myself. <laughs> and I li- <laughs> And this happened often. This is not a yeah, one-off one occasion. Right. My brother would bring it up to me. Greg always says to me, you were so difficult. Yeah. But I was also a really lovely, kind-hearted, empathetic girl. Yeah. Always. Were you bubbly? I was... I was yeah, I would guess I was bubbly. I was a bit crazy. Yeah. I was the kid at school that everyone used to... I was the, the funny one, the, maybe the class clown in a way, yeah. as I got older. Um, but yeah, I was just, I had these like spurts of just anger and like mm. rage. And I remember having dinner with my family, for example, and they upset me during dinner. So I ran, we have a pool in my house, a hydro pool, which is for my disabled brother. It's to like loosen his muscles. Anyway, I ran in my dressing gown and my pajamas and just jumped in the pool <laughs> with the food on the plate. Oh no. Right. Okay. So, Does that give you an idea yeah, of what I was like? I think, yeah. Wild child, maybe a little bit. Yeah, but also really sweet. But also really lovely <laughs> and charming. I should be a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. Okay, so that's me as a kid, if that sums it up. Okay. Um, and so were there ever conversa- conversation? like was food... Never an issue. Right, yeah. I was going to say, right. like, what, what kind of so role was food? So I grew up in a household where food everyone had a very healthy relationship to food my mum never ever talked about diets weight she did actually as a more later on in life but as a kid it was a it was quite neutral right so attitude towards food was neutral very healthy my mum brought us up on very kind of healthy food my brother wasn't allowed sugar as part of his program so we weren't actually given much sugar as kids Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it, Something yeah. that was discussed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I could come home from school and have a whole bag of Thai chili sweet sensations. Yeah. And no one would no say, one say anything. anything. Yeah. But to add in there, my mum actually was anorexic as well. Right. From the ages of 25 to 30. Yeah. But I didn't know about that. Until? Until I was about 19. Okay, fine. So, yeah, that's interesting. I feel mm. like a lot of people have got similar... Like, not, it's not hereditary, but it's almost like you're there predisposed. Is a, they say there could be a gene. Yeah, it's almost as if you're predisposed to it. For sure. Because I, I think that's the case in my family as well. Um, okay, so then take us fast forward then to you when you're like 19, 20 in the lead mm, up. Okay, so I, at 18, uh, so as a kid, I wanted to be an actress. Um, it was like my thing. And I applied to drama schools and ended up ditching the auditions because I was scared of rejection. Mm-hmm. We were just having a chat about rejection yeah. before we started this podcast. So yeah. um, I guess, yeah, running it's, it's a running theme <laughs> in my life that I fear rejection and I, 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 I take a huge blow to my ego if ever I am not accepted mm. or rejected. 
Um, so yeah, I didn't go to the auditions and then I had like, no, you need to go to. So my dad's, cause he's, my dad's always gets me. I'm like my dad's princess and he'll get me anything. So he managed to get me into drama school, but the whole time I was there, I felt like I didn't deserve to be there because I didn't actually get in by myself. So I think I had this, uh, what would you say? I had like a imposter syndrome. Yeah. Just about everything in life. And I felt mm. very, and I was a really late bloomer in life. Yeah. Just with everything, you know, boys, I, I don't know. I just feel like I was just a late bloomer and it really affected me. Yeah. It shouldn't have, but yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was quite a lost soul, really, right. at that point in time, 18, 19, 20. Would, would you maybe say if a lack of control over your life at that point in time? Definitely. Uh, I was working, we mentioned before about Hollister. <laughs> so when I was 19, no, yeah, 19, I started working at Hollister and I really enjoyed it. It was very fun. I met two of my best friends there. So <laughs> I do not regret working in Hollister at all. because They're amazing. <laughs> Uh, but I think I was just working there and not really doing anything else. All my yeah. friends were at uni having the time of their lives, yeah. calling me up saying, oh, I slept with this guy the other yeah. day, I did this, I did that. And I just felt like such a... You weren't doing the same thing. I just thing. wasn't doing the same stuff. And I didn't know what to do with my life. And people were studying economics. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of things that people study, whatever, philosophy. Yeah. And I just didn't have anything. Mm. I didn't have something to call my own. Yeah. I just worked at Hollister and did a few photo shoots here and there. Yeah. And th- there was nothing that was mine. Mm. And I think that that made me feel out of control. Mm-hmm. So in order to get some control, I started focusing on food. So I think the main reason I started falling into an eating disorder was lack of control. But then there was also the, the societal pressures of like what a woman should look like. Yeah. And at the time, it was all about the Victoria's Secret models of yeah. being really skinny. Yeah. So it was, I think... But just to clarify, you were, you were always, you've always been slim. Yeah, so I've never had an issue with my weight. Although when I went to drama school for that, those six months, I did gain a lot of weight. But I was having fun. Yeah. Like the chippy every night. <laughs> the chippy. I used to get the chippy every night. We um, did. But you, like you've never, ever been... I've always been very you've, slim. You, yeah, you've yeah. never been like, oh my God, this girl is huge. Apart from when I was a baby. Apart from when you were a baby. Because I was huge. We oh had, my gosh. Me and Beth. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> oh, me, and, me and Beth were huge. We're both huge. And I, I think it's kind of, <laughs> the, the competition's tough there. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that we were of, of similar of ilk. <laughs> yeah, huge babies. Huge babies. Um, but cute. But cute. Fat babies are the best Fat babies. babies. Lovely. And I just don't think you should baby's weight is not really an issue but anyway um so yeah so in you were never you were never of you never you were never huge no I was never huge but I think I started looking at my body so bear in mind actually I'd never had body issues yeah up until the age of 1920 yeah I had never complained about my body it had never been a point of interest for me yeah yeah i thought i was fine yeah it just goes unnoticed yeah i noticed i miss that i miss the days where the days, i, I didn't you. even acknowledge like i could, had no sense of what body image even was it doesn't no, even something that came either. into my it wasn't even something that came into my realm until no. i was about 18 although 19. i've always had a bit of thing about my face yeah so when i was this is an interesting thing when i was in year five year six at school i used to have this um complex with being pale I know, so weird. And I used to go into the toilets at break time, and instead of you'd think pinch your cheeks, right? Normal thing to do. I used to scratch my cheeks, oh, no. yeah, to get red in them. Oh, because wow. one, I think it was Mufti Day in Mufti Year Five, day, yeah. and I wore all black, very chic, very chic. <laughs> like so chic for like for a, a nine-year-old. Yeah, these little like 
platform boots. I love it, yeah. And then someone went, you look like a goth, like oh, that. No. And then from then on, I had a complex about being pale. pale. Okay. So I've always had, like, actually, there were things I always used to say to my mum, I'm not pretty enough. And mm. my mum would be like, you're joking, right? Mm. And I, but I just didn't, because at school it was blonde, you yeah. know, whatever. But I'd never had a thing about my body. No. And then, so when, when you were working in Hollister... Because yes. you mentioned in the... We met, we, I put a little snippet in the beginning of the last episode that you reckon that Hollister had quite a big part to yes, play. Yes, it did. Um, it treated... It, it was already there. Yeah. I probably would have got an eating disorder regardless. No, there was something that needed yeah. to tip you over Hollister the edge. Hollister was the yeah. trigger. So, kind of, yeah. to tell, tell, tell me what, like, um, you told me before that th- certain things were said to you there that maybe Yeah, I used you. to... God, I feel like I'm like... I'm not <laughs> Hollister was a great place, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I enjoyed it. shut down it. in Burton Cross uh, now. Has it? Yeah, it's, it's gone. Not, but it's not what it was, right? It's not what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... I got quite a bit of attention on my figure there. And I think it's because I was 19. I was a woman. Oh, and a woman. A woman. Although 19's not a woman. I honestly don't think yeah, you're like no. a woman until you're like 25. 25, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Before that, you were a girl. Yeah, you are um, a child. A child. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, there was a lot of attention on my body because I had huge tits. Huge. <laughs> and, um... I guess, like, the rest of me was relatively slim, but I definitely she had... She had the dream figure. She still <laughs> has the dream figure. I definitely was kind of, like... There was a little bit of, like, curve there. And I just had a lot of people come up to me being like, oh, your body's, like, amazing. I wish I was curvy like you. And then on the other side, you'd hear people going, oh, I wish I could fit into, like, the smallest size jeans here. I'm too fat. And these girls were, like, half my size. Right. So I would constantly be thinking, I must be really big. Even though, I remember I wore a size one. Yeah. Which is tiny. tiny. But I, I felt big amongst the yeah. the rest of them uh which actually wasn't the case i think i was just all in my head mm. uh and yeah there was just a bit there was just a big i was very obsessed with appearances at this point in time in my life and appearances ruled everything mm. it was the most important thing and i i didn't think i was beautiful enough and i thought i needed to be smaller and then i'd be beautiful and do you think that probably to do with the fact that you were here a late bloomer in terms of men or boys yeah so I think, like i mean i kissed a boy for the first time at 17 yeah so i was just very so behind it, that feeling of like oh i'm not beautiful enough no i'm not getting the male attention that i no, want so the male attention was was there was high yeah very high male attention i was um scared to act on the male attention a lot of the time because i was like i don't know i thought i, I think they i thought they would expect that i would be more experienced yeah. okay and all those things really bothered me yeah so yeah and then and then yeah so then, then i guess no ask me the next question because i was just gonna say so what so then how did it start like i think it i think with eating disorders they creep in really slowly mm. you know this insidious little Thing. It's awful. It's... It started with me getting a personal trainer or something, I think. I, he was like a celebrity person. I don't think... I don't actually know what happened here, but he was telling me what I needed to do. Um, me cutting down my portion sizes because I wanted to just be a little bit slimmer. I, again, I was like obsessed with Victoria's Secret models at the time. Um, I wanted to be a little bit slimmer, so I would just eat kind of like Rivita, whatever they're mm. called, Rivita things. And, uh, and then the weight just started falling off and I became obsessed with the scale. Mm-hmm. So I would weigh myself every single day and I would see that the weight kept going down and that became my control and my addiction. So it was almost like before I had a chance to even realise that something bad was happening, it was too late. Mm-hmm. You get, I think you get sucked in. Yeah, and you're in it before you realise you're in it. Yeah, and I got sucked in, and uh, it just it just didn't stop really. It just kept kept going. Right, and um, so 
what are some of your lowest points then do you reckon <laughs> you know what a lot <laughs> of the eating disorder was a very low point um I guess the lowest points were when I was at my worst when I was a proper like there's no such thing as a proper anorexia, <laughs> I was a real like, anorexic. like just like just like anorexia was everything there mm. was there was no time for anything else anorexia was my best friend so yeah I think that was the worst time and that was probably once I came back from that summer as a club promoter in Marbella I just kind of like completely like became anorexia anorexia was me yeah it was my identity she's the anorexic girl mm-hmm. I had to play that part do you think that um going back to what you just said about how in the run-up to you developing the eating disorder you felt like everyone was doing things with their lives and you mm. felt a bit lost. I felt really lost. Do you think that the anore- becoming anorexic and taking on that identity made you, gave you the... It gave me some form of purpose. And it, and it also gave you a, a route out of that mm. feeling of lostness. Yeah. So this is the thing. I always say, I always, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but often I kind of brand anorexia as my big excuse. Yeah. Because being anorexic was like, it was a, a way to just get out of things. I didn't yeah. have to be living my best life yeah I, I, I think that's so I think that's such an interesting point because I don't think that many people would admit that it's yeah. like a, it, it gives you that it gives you an, yeah it gives you an excuse and because I had such a thing about being beautiful I felt like I don't need to the expectation is gone it's gone now so yeah. I don't need to be amazing and perfect because I'm anorexic and anorexics don't look good yeah <laughs> so it was that also became it. But again, there's so many things tied into it. Like I couldn't pinpoint one thing that I think contributed to it. It's just everything, you know, I think. But the main thing, I guess, is control and feeling like anorexia just became the thing that was missing, mm-hmm. the void. Yeah. I was filling time. Yeah. And yeah. That, and sadly, it was destructive and yeah. the worst thing ever. Um, and it didn't really lend me anything. No. Um, so, yeah. Um, and also, so... Uh, so the main thing for you yeah. was the control aspect of it, which is, yeah. for, I, think I think most people with an eating disorder will tell you that it's control. Because I think there's a very big misconception that it's, it's very appearance-based. No. Yes, there is an there, element There's of definitely that. an element which I've touched upon. Yeah. But the main thing for me was lack of control in life, lack of direction, and then feeling a bit worthless. Right, and the eating disorder falsely placated that feeling yeah, and made 100%. you feel better about it it made me it gave me an absolute high right so did you think you looked good never right <laughs> never once did i think i looked good um i think at the beginning when i lost the initial weight i thought oh i look good got a bit of praise like, yeah. you're looking good you're looking toned that felt good but that lasted maybe two months mm-hmm. after that i knew i looked shit and um but that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like the anorexia had f- fully taken control by then. And I think to give you an idea, cause you said, what were the worst points? Yeah. I'll give you an idea of how my life was as an anorexic. And it was kind of, it was relentless. My, my head never had a break. You know, I'd wake up in the morning. The first thing was, how am I going to hide the fact I didn't eat breakfast? Um, I would go to university. So I was studying fashion at London college of fashion, which was a great way for me not to eat. Um, because my parents didn't see what I was doing. Uh, I lived with Diet Coke as my, my little pal. Um, <laughs> so sad. It's really sad. It's such a sad and life. I used to walk around supermarkets 
and look at food and dream of the things I could one day eat. Oh my God, I used to do the same thing. Have really? I told you that before? No. Wait, yes, you have we told used to me. Go into, I used, we. I used to go into supermarkets. Me and my sister still like going into supermarkets anyway and looking at the stuff, but that used to be my favourite thing to do, I is to go into it. the supermarkets and just look at food. Also, side note... This, they say that a lot of people with eating disorders get into the food industry. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, they always become like chefs or. Um, and it makes sense because when I when I used to work at Waitrose Food Magazine, I, and I used to love looking at food magazines and looking at all this food I that I couldn't obsessed. eat, and I used to go. People at work. The thing is, I I wonder if anyone from my work might be listening. My old work might be listening to this, and they probably think. They probably knew all the whole time that, that she's got a massive issue. Yeah, because I never used to eat anything. Really? There used to be food in the office all the time. I used to work for Waitrose Food Magazine, for God's sake. They used to make all of those delicious things. I bet you were surrounded by amazing I was just, stuff. All the time, I wouldn't eat any of it. What a waste. But I just liked being in around food. I loved food. being surrounded by food. Yeah. I loved um, that seeing other people eat. Yes, um, that's the other thing. I used to like. I used to love seeing other people yes. eat. I used really to be really it. annoying when they used to go into eat, they used to go into the kitchen and try all the stuff. I used to stand there and be like, "Oh yeah," like commenting on them eating on it when I wouldn't eat any of it. It's very weird. Yeah, I was exactly the same. I remember once going up to uni one night. So I used to work. Um, I had uh, yeah, I was at London College of Fashion in Holborn, and I remember going into the Starbucks, and there was this muffin that I'd been eyeing up for a couple of weeks, and I <laughs> bought the muffin. So I actually purchased the muffin. I took it home and I was just staring at this muffin. Oh my God. I remember thinking I just really want to eat it. And then one evening I allowed myself this muffin and I cried so much after I ate it. And I just, it's just so sad looking back because, Mm. you know, it was just a muffin that should have been enjoyed. And I ate it in secret. Like I didn't want anyone to see that I was eating this muffin. Secret eating is another big thing. Oh, I I was, I think I was a prime example of a secret eater as well. I'm still a bit like that. I can't really shake it off. It's weird because it's really weird because me and my sister both growing up were secret eaters. We would like sneak stuff. Our mum would never say no to us. If I asked her and said, mum, can I have something to eat? Or mum, can I have this packet of crisps or whatever? She would never say no. Yeah. But for some reason, I don't know where it came from, both of us would sneak food and like hide the That's wrappers. That's interesting. I wonder why. No, Were very, you just ashamed that you... Don't know. Really weird. But well, I'm talking like young, young, like five, mm. six, seven, Seriously? like young, young would hide food. So there's something in that, isn't there? Yeah. Because and like, I definitely wouldn't have hid food as a child. Yeah, it's really weird. And like, so now mm. I'm still, a, there are certain like breakfast, mm. I'm still a bit funny when people are around when I'm eating breakfast. Really? I try I get not it, to though. be, but I, 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 I'm a bit like, I just don't want anyone to see me. I don't know, it's weird. It's a weird thing. It's a weird habit. I know, I, used, I was always like that, though. Like, I, I didn't like people to see me eat. But also, I kind of wanted people to know that I was eating yeah. to kind of make me feel safe. Because if I was eating alone and no one was around, sometimes I felt as though, well, no one's here, so why am I eating? Because I, I can only eat if someone knows I've eaten it. Yeah. Because otherwise it's pointless. But also around friends and stuff I would be funny about eating sometimes it really did to be honest it went in phases yeah um but yeah I uh yeah you can ask me something else because <laughs> I feel like I'll just go off tangent um so you've want I'd quite like to talk a bit about um you once said to me how do it kind of this is along the same lines it gave you an excuse mm-hmm. and it really it kind of released you from the pressures of life yeah and with that, you also started changing a bit the way you, like, dressed. Oh, yeah. I feel like this is really interesting. Okay, I don't know if this is common, a common thing with anorexic people. I actually think it might be. 
you know people can say if they've got an experience of this because yeah. I'm I, to this day I'm slightly embarrassed about it but I think it's so interesting <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> so during my anorexia especially during the beginning I started wearing clothing that you know most 20 year olds just wouldn't wear so I'd wear like skirts like dress um you know those like little American apparel dresses can yeah. you remember like they're like Stretchy is stretchy yeah. with like a long sleeve top underneath, yeah, little like dolly shoes. Very like child. Child. So I started dressing quite childlike. Um, I always did my makeup, but it was always like quite heavy. Um, I don't know what because I was at fashion school as well. I don't know where this came from. I'd also used to wear all these chunky necklaces. Yeah. It was just quite bizarre, and it wasn't how I had previously dressed. I mean, at nineteen, I had start eighteen, nineteen. I'd started getting into fashion. I, some of the clothes choices were questionable, but we all go through a stage. I mean, of yeah. the time. Of course. Yeah. But my, my taste started getting better maybe yeah. around 19. And then as soon as I became anorexic, I started dressing quite childlike. And it was just quite odd. Mm. And I didn't acknowledge it at the time. Yeah, but it's like looking back now. And I almost wanted people... Do you know what? Actually, this is another point. I think a big part of this also is anorexia is like when you have anorexia you're script for me especially i don't know about everyone but i was it was a way of screaming out i'm not okay yeah right i don't want i wanted people to know i wasn't okay mm. so all these things i think were a way to say look i'm not right i need help yeah like Someone red flags basically yeah. yeah and i think it came out and it was expressed in loads of different ways but it's just funny because i'd gone from this 19 year old who was starting to become quite sexy <laughs> i yeah. don't know quite sexy and like I would go out Confident. clubbing all the time. Yeah. Uh, I felt good about myself. I was starting to get a lot of like, I was going on a lot of dates, whatever. And then suddenly I became a child. Yeah. Yeah. Within this, six months. Yeah. I was going to say, you, it was quite quick for you, wasn't it? It was very quick. It all just, it just, yeah. And it was this huge difference. Like, I think if people had seen me from that to that, it mm. would have been very shocking. Mm. And my parents obviously were heartbroken. Mm. And they just couldn't believe what was happening in front of mm. their eyes, but they didn't have any control over it. Yeah. Because I was so, so s- strong-willed in this thing. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> well, after you, so we know, obviously, if you listened to the first episode, you went into the clinic mm-hmm. and you were there for around a year-ish. Yes, which was, um, I guess a good and a bad thing. I mean, I don't necessarily think clinics are... I was just going to say, what are your views on... I don't think they're the best way for someone to recover. I think for some people it works really well. I mean, I don't really know what the best way is. I think recovery really comes from within. I guess if you're in a really dangerous position, you need to get food in you. And the quickest way to do that is to pop you in a unit. (laughs) Pop you you in there. Pop you in the unit, feed you up. But at the same time, there are elements of that that what are quite was feeding, traumatic. What was feeding like in the clinic? So we would get breakfast, which was... Do you want me to go for everything? It's no, a bit just long. like... Just so, like. So we'd get breakfast, then a snack, then lunch, then a snack, then dinner, then a snack, then a night snack. Were they like big meals? They weren't... Looking back, like, as a healthy woman now, yeah. they weren't huge, but there was a lot of them. Yeah. So imagine you just keep eating, and then the snacks are like a galaxy Is everyone bar. given the same thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were dietary special requirements for certain people but pretty much depending on your weight or whatever so like when you first go in it's very small amounts because you're so underweight Mm -hmm. and they need to build you up or because you just so you're petrified of food so if i was if i'd gone in there and they were giving me a fucking huge meal with (laughs) like like pasta i'd have i'd have a panic attack i would have a panic attack i remember crying over about but what those bars called not bounce are they bounce bars bounties no not bounties bounce bars or but no. Oh, bounce, the bounce ball, like the health no, food thing. No, no, no. no. B- 
can't remember what they're called. They're like an orange and purple wrapper. Okay. Anyway, I remember crying over one of them because they were like, you have to eat it, Bethany. And I was like, I can't do this. Why? Why are you doing this to me? They were, Bethany, you have to have it. And it kept going on and on and on. And eventually I think I had half of it and it was just very traumatic at the time. I was, so the whole, the, the whole eating in the clinic is policed, isn't it? Like you yeah, have to. you kind of have to, but there are exceptions. You know, someone might not eat something, and then everyone else gets angry that yeah, that person didn't eat. Oh, she God. didn't eat it. I'd have to eat it. Yeah, it all sounds crazy it now, is, it is and crazy. it is crazy. And you know, if you're going through an eating disorder, I completely empathise with you. But also, sometimes you just have to look at yourself. And Keeping think this your is lane. really crazy. Yeah, because it is. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So for, for me, I obviously have never been in an eating disorder clinic, but mm. like from the outside and from what you've told me as well, I can. I kind of feel like. They have the opposite effect on. Of, I get that you need to be in there to be like pumped up to a healthy weight, mm. but in terms of like the mental side, which is the main thing of yeah. an eating disorder. Yeah, so it's the weight is just <clears throat> you know it's a, a result yeah. of you mentally. You're mentally being unwell. Sh- yeah. Yes. So it's and I think this is what people. I think more people are getting to grips with eating disorders now. Yeah. And people understand them more. But I, I know when I was anorexic seven years ago. Was it safe? Get confused. Eh? Whatever. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, people had a different. I think a lot of people thought it was very much just this like, wanting was, to be skinny. It's all weight. Everyone, think, especially. So I know for me, like when I very first told my boyfriend at the time that I had <laughs> that I he was the first person I told actually that I'd had bulimia. Mm. Um, this was like four or five years ago. Four years ago. It took a really long time of me, of us having lots of very difficult conversations, like upsetting conversations for him to understand that it actually wasn't to do with what I looked like. Yeah. Like often spouts of the bulimia would come up when other things in my life weren't going well. It's always the case when something goes well. Yeah. Like family issues. Yeah, exactly. So it's like the loss of control in other areas of my life would cause the bulimia to flare up again, Mm -hmm. which just from me saying that, should give people that don't have an understanding of eating, eating disorders the understand yeah the understanding that it's not to do with the fact that I think I'm really fat and I must throw up this food yeah. immediately it's to do with lack of control yeah. and it's it's completely a men- it's a mental thing like it's not to do it's an addiction as yeah. well and, yeah and yeah exactly it's, it's it's also very habitual I yeah. think so once you get into the habit oh, of doing something you're more likely to continue doing it. And yeah. it's very hard to break the habit. Yeah, and this is, what I'm, this is what I mean about the clinics. I think you're surrounded by people who are all doing the same thing as you, all yeah. in the same habits and more, because say what you've told me before. So yeah, so when I started, when I entered the clinic, I'd never made myself sick before. And by the time I left, I was doing it all the time. So. Yeah, so you picked up habits mm. from other people in there. And also like your, the whole idea that you're... Fo- like obviously your purpose in there is to eat so you then for me i know anyway having the secret eating thing yeah being watching everybody else eat being in an environment where food is like the focal point Mm -hmm. would cause me very high levels of stress yeah it was incredibly stressful and not feel like i was able to sort of get to grips with this thing that i was scared of Mm -hmm. in a comfortable way it was almost like you have to do it immediately and just feel fine with it and it's just a lot i don't know it was a lot I also think a lot of people in eating disorder clinics are institutionalised, so you'd find that a lot of people in there had already been in there. For example, oh, really? oh, yeah, like Maya. <laughs> hey, Maya. A resident. Uh, but there were people who'd been there 20 years, coming yeah. in and out of like eating disorder clinics. Yeah. Um, 
sounds awful, but it's almost like it's their way of life. Yeah. It's become their way of life. And it's quite easy to get roped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it was a great place for me. They definitely saved my life. Yeah. I think had I had I not got taken in, it would have got worse and worse and I don't know what would have happened. So mm. to that, I'm grateful. But it also, I feel like in some ways, gave me more... It made me more anorexic. Like my mind was more anorexic. Yeah, out. because I mean... I I know that obviously you don't want to bash the eating disorder clearly because you did you eventually when you got out you were a healthy weight where you were never healthy? got to a healthy no, weight. you never got to a healthy I weight. got to a healthy weight how did they release you uh, I just said because I I think I was so <laughs> they confident you. and yeah. like I think I convinced them that I was okay and I I also convinced myself <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> I'm thought, a very good liar <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but I told you this has happened so much within my eating disorder. Mm. I told you at 24, I thought I was fine. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was fine, but there was still that niggling voice in the corner of my head telling me, don't gain any weight, Bethany. Mm. That's enough. Yeah. It wasn't enough. No. I was not a healthy weight. Right. Um, and because that voice was still in my head, it was only going to go downhill. Right. But I was very good at maintaining. Yeah. So staying yeah, very... Yeah, functioning. Yeah. yeah. So I maintained this life of being someone who just... I was just known as someone who was skinny. Teaches I would just get stopped edge. on the street all the time. Oh my God, you're so skinny. Like, what do you do? Mm. All the time. Because it was like abnormally skinny, but I still wasn't... I wasn't looking anorexic. Yeah, you were that too. Yeah, you were teetering on the edge. I was teetering on the edge for a very long time and I just yeah. got to say, it just wasn't a way to live. When um, I, I think, so when I, I met you and you were 23 or 24? I met you when I was 24. 24, Aww. yeah. Um, so and, young. So young, so innocent. But you, so when I met you, you were in that, you were in that phase of, I was, of, yeah. of managing it. Yes. But kind of slipping either side of being healthy and not health well you weren't healthy you mm. were just very very small yes but you thought you were fine at that point I thought I was fine to some level I knew there was an issue and like I was very open around about it with people really close to me yeah um but I thought the issue was under control yeah you were managing it. I was managing it and it was okay and I was I was managing to have a normal life mm. so it didn't feel too heavy as it had done before yeah but uh I think whilst I knew you I slipped quite a bit yeah there was a, a bit a couple years later maybe like a, a year a, no later. only a year later uh, I dipped a lot yeah. which was a really difficult time and uh I became more open about it then and I think I told you I think I was no that. you told me very <laughs> soon you told me much earlier oh, than that I? babes yeah oh really because, because we that. had the first no because the first thing that <laughs> we so <laughs> I think what happened Go was I think what happened was basically you'd found out about my eating disorder. Oh, okay. I think that's yes, what happened. Yes, I, I must have found out right. about it somehow. I know this is like we're being very cagey, but you basically found out about my eating disorder. Yeah. Or no, I don't. Okay, I think what had happened was we were out somewhere, right? And um, we were having like a DMC, a deep meaningful chat, when we were a bit drunk. Do you remember yeah, what no, I'm talking about? Do you know what I'm no, talking this about? I remember, but this was a year after. No, it was you. not a year. I was in a blue dress. I don't remember what dress you were wearing. Do you know I what I'm talking about? Drunk. So it was at this thing, <laughs> and you had you started talking to me about eating issues, right? And we were just having like a deep chat. We were both quite drunk, okay. And because some you had found out that I had bulimia, basically, okay, yeah, out of my control, yeah. mm, not very good, anyway. Um, <laughs> 
And so you would start, you started like alluding to me, like, oh, you know, like I get it, sort of thing. And then we had a chat, oh. and we were talk, we were talking a bit in code about but it. I think I had said something to you like, but I'm better now. Did I say because I remember being at a party with you yeah. a year later? Yeah. Okay. Maybe. And I, I was really drunk, and I was like, I'm anorexic. I just remember saying. Oh, it did to you. You. oh maybe. Yeah. I can't really fully and remember. It was a whole year later, and I just remember saying, I'm anorexic, and you know, I need to eat this amount of food to gain weight. And I yeah. just remember you. I just remember this conversation very well. And then yeah. I got super drunk because I was severely, <laughs> severely underweight. And, we both got, we both got very drunk, drunk like, that day, to be fair. Um, um, but but yeah. yeah, I was quite open about it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Thought, I, thought you, I thought, feel like you've always I been quite open about it. I never my anorexia. I'm an open person. I'm an yeah. open... I was about to say I'm an open book, but I wouldn't actually say I am. But I'm quite open and transparent about I think a lot you of things. Are. Do you I think, think so? you're, I think you're very, you're I, very willing to chat about stuff, mm, even if it makes you feel a bit sure. uncomfortable, I think, anyway. Yeah, I do think... So. Yeah, I, I'm happy... Not happy to be, but I'm open to being vulnerable yeah. if I'm in the right space yeah, yeah. with the right people. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Although sometimes, oh my God, on first dates... <laughs> An oversharer. I'm an oversharer as well. Oh my god, I need to rein it in. Just rein it in. No, I. <laughs> no, I'm an oversharer as well. I think. Do you know what? It, for me, it comes with this. It's, I think it's very interesting because me and Beth are very similar people in a lot of ways, and I think it's the fact that we're so similar in a lot of ways contributes to the reason why we both have had eating disorders before because yeah. I think the oversharing for me I don't know you you can you may be different but for me the oversharing often comes with the feeling of being guilty and I don't want mm. I often overshare because if I feel I feel like if I don't say something there's this ele- there's a very small element of guilt in my head that's like oh maybe I should have said that or like is it am I hiding this if I don't say it yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe it does come from an element of guilt. It very, it very far back. It's not like a, oh, I feel guilty yeah. about it. It's just like a, it's a very distant, it's like a back, yeah, you're right. on the I back burner. The and the guilt thing is an interesting thing because I think the guilt thing is very closely linked to eating disorders. Feeling guilty about eating, feeling guilty about things. So let me just punish myself by doing this not eating thing. Yeah. And it, it's all, it's all very... It's all a form of punishment. Yeah. And I think I've noticed as a recovered woman, and I guess we were talking about this before we started the podcast, because I came in and aired my feels to Amy. (laughs) And um, even though I'm recovered now, and this is, I think, an important thing of recovery, I've recovered from anorexia. That's great. I'm so happy. I recovered, obviously. (laughs) Doesn't mean I'm left issueless. No. Doesn't mean... it is not. Doesn't mean just because I have recovered, I'm suddenly, you know, out here... With a clear, clear head. No. Like, I have no issues with food anymore. Great. But I still have that kind of guilt, that heavy conscience, mm-hmm. that um, fear of rejection that I had before the eating disorder started, which kind of led towards that yeah. happening. All those things are still there. Yeah. I just have to manage them in healthier ways. Yeah. Which often is talking to people, getting a therapist. Yeah, get um, a therapist. Get a therapist. Yeah. Um, just being open because at the end of the day everyone's got baggage everyone's got shit to deal with mm-hmm. and the more open we are about it the more we talk about these things the less kind o- of ostracized you feel yeah and you're more likely to not fall down the rabbit hole if you're open right. if i had been more open from the start and i had said look this is my issue and you know maybe it could have i don't know but maybe that could have helped me do you think accountability for you so 
what I was gonna what I was gonna ask you was, do you think because you just said now that even though you're out the other end of the eating disorder, yeah. you're healthy, you don't have an issue with food, but you still have issues, mm-hmm. as we all do, not just mm-hmm. you. Obviously, we all have issues. issues. Do you feel like? those issues if not managed correctly you could slip back into it I think there's a possibility I don't think it's going to happen to me no I think um for a lot of people it does happen right I think I got keep saying I think I got to a place where just this eating disorder is just not an option and I know it's not an option in like I didn't choose to have an eating disorder but for me it's that's done now yeah it was too long Mm -hmm. six years of my life Maybe that doesn't sound long to some people, but that bloody long time for me. For for, for it being in your 20s. I missed out on a lot of stuff. Like, I managed to live relatively normal. Yeah. Still, like, got along with normal life in a lot of ways. But, you know, there were just... There's some poignant things, I think, in people's lives that I just didn't get. Mm. Like, certain fun things. Like, uni times or whatever. That kind of age. And, um, yeah, it's just not... It's just not going to happen again. It's not not happening. I'm... I'm striving only up now. So now if I'm... And as I said, I still have issues and there's still things that I worry about and I've still got baggage. (laughs) Um, But for me, airing it out and talking to people about it is the best source of therapy and kind of keeps me on track. Mm. I I notice if I curl into a ball and start overthinking and not sharing, Mm. that's when it becomes um, a problem. Dangerous, yeah. Yeah. Um, So just to take it back a step. So when you... You, you, you met, as you mentioned, you slipped back into it after mm. I met you, about a year after I met you. It was you. because of you, Amy. It was because of me. <laughs> I triggered, triggered it off again. So you were probably, what, 25, 26? Mm, 25. Yeah. But then following that, I, I don't know. I feel like you slipping back into it, because you'd slipped into it quite quite badly, wasn't it? Because mm. I remember you, I remember recently you sent me a picture. It was of quite you were away terrible. Yeah. In Spain. I feel... Um, about that. Yeah, you, so anyway. you slipped. You slipped back into it quite badly. But do you not think that maybe that slipping into it that badly was what sort of gave you the mm. impetus, they impetus say, to get back what's at, the to phrase? get out of it? You you have to hit, hit rock, rock bottom. bottom. Yeah. And even though I'd hit rock bottom before, I think I needed it again, and it was a big um, reality check. Yeah. Just that whole period of being twenty five to twenty six. I was going to say I thought it was going longer there, but twenty five to 26, was a huge reality check for me and it made me realize that I can't do this anymore I can't live like this I need to get better yeah because I want to live the life I want yeah and no one can live a full life if they've got anorexia even if it's just like you're functioning anorexic it's not it's not life it's not living Mm. so I think I just really also wanted to reclaim myself as like a sexual woman yeah and I didn't have that yeah because when you're anorexic you don't feel Mm -mm. sexy there's nothing sexy about it. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know how open you want to be. We can cut this bit out. If no, you, want. you can go for it. But yeah, we'll cut if it could be go. <laughs> so when you were at your worst, when you fell back into it, you stopped having sex, didn't you? Um. Well, it was very. It, became, it was infrequent. It was infrequent. I was in a relationship did, at the time, yeah, so just you, to put yeah. this into perspective, I wasn't going out just having <laughs> sex with Willy Nilly while anorexic. Some Willy Nilly. Nilly with a Willy. Did you um? Did you feel sexy? No. Did you want to have sex? Or was it like... No, I, di- I think I did want to I did want to have sex. Mm. Um, my sex drive never completely went. Mm. I think... I'm trying to think of this the, the period of time. I think during me being quite low weight, I still was having regular sex. There yeah. was just a period where I didn't. And I think that that period was 
it was the both parties obviously yeah. difficult for the other person yeah, yeah, involved yeah difficult for me yeah um obviously quite traumatic for the other person yeah and yeah i only now can i look at that situation with clarity because mm. while i was in it i just didn't understand you know you feel you don't feel desired mm-hmm. you don't feel wanted yeah looking back like of course they, yeah, of course it's difficult. Gonna, it's difficult and having sleeping with someone that's anorexic obviously is it's going to play with your head yeah yeah and that's a really difficult thing and even if you love someone yeah i, I don't want to go into that too much and yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't really know the perspective the other perspective yeah but i can imagine it was incredibly hard yeah, and yeah, i still yeah. struggle with guilt around that situation the g word again guilt. yeah <laughs> Um, okay, so so, but luckily you got yourself out of it. You pulled yourself out. I of the pulled hole. myself out. Exactly, you're here now, here and you're now. healthy. Yeah, it's a big like fuck you to anorexia. It really is. Oh, I, I think... sweared in the last one as well, didn't you? Like pinpoint a little bit of me, like fuck, I'm anorexia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm saying fuck you to anorexia. No, fully. Um, but now I feel like, look, I did it, and it's kind of like I've proved to myself, and also there's this little part of me is like proving other people of course i think a lot of people might have thought i would never Never get get better or i would get ill again well that's not happening babes yeah (laughs) um i i feel empowered yeah and i feel sexy again oh it's so good to feel sexy yeah oh um i feel desirable i feel all these things that i didn't feel for pretty much six years of my life so it's it's nice to be all woman yeah so looking back now yeah at the are you gonna ask that question about regretting it on it i mean it, that may fall into it i was just gonna say like what are your looking back on it now with clarity and hindsight like what are your views on the eating disorder is what it a su- waste of fucking time okay. <laughs> what a waste of precious time your 20s are for living for having fun you know it only gets harder as you get older oh, as we were saying yes. you know bills 100 percent um, gets harder taxes try and think of something else just relationships marriage, marriage children i really want to get married before i'm 30 but that's <laughs> not gonna happen um, let's put it at 35 yeah then. just move it up a bit. i think i'll still look really young at 35 you will oh, you'll definitely you'll look 25 at 35 hey, 18, amy's got baby face i had an 18 year old chirps me yesterday obviously do you know what i had a 18 year old come up to me and was very surprised because i definitely i look probably 26 27 yeah i look about 27 yeah 26 kind of my age yeah um, <laughs> i look my age basically. i look my age um where was i what was i saying you what you had I someone come up to you when you were, no, yeah no, forget about I, before, that. I, 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 I can't remember what um, i was saying before you said that all we were saying all the pressures that you that that's just society has married like her life gets harder yeah life gets harder so your 20s so your 20s for having fun so yeah i think when i look back at the eating disorder i think what a waste of time but i also think so you asked me at the end of last episode did i regret anorexia and if i could take it back i think maya asked the question would i would i would you take it back yeah 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 and i said "Mm, i think i would i've been thinking about that yeah and i do you know what it is? I wouldn't take back the anorexia. Mm. I've learned so much. I think it's made me a more well-rounded person. I think I'm more open-minded and less judgment- judgmental. Go to therapy, guys. Yes, it does a wonder. Especially men. Men. Shout out men. to all men. Shout out Get to all men out. who go to therapy. Big up yourselves. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I don't regret anorexia. I kind of wish it hadn't lasted so long. Right, yeah. And I, six years is too long. It's a long time. From 20 to 26, you change dramatically. 
but you know what it is, what it is. <laughs> That's my life. That's what's happened. I can't take it back. Mm. I can't, re- I, I can't regret it too much because otherwise I'll just be always thinking in the past and I will be, yeah, be living in the past and I don't want to do that. So I'm now just looking towards the future and you know, what can I do? It's, it's done. It's done. Yeah. And I, I have learned things from it. Yeah. And I think I can give that wisdom, even if it's just a snippet, mm. I'm not the wisest person. I always have to go to Amy for wise things. <laughs> no, that's Helena. not true. That's not true. You're I, very wise. I don't think I am. I think, I think the thing is, is, as with everybody, it's very difficult to take your own advice. It's really hard to so, take So, I advice. mean, I can offload a million and one gems to you, but do you think I listen to anything I say to myself? No, of course 100. not. No, you definitely don't. So, I mean, it's just pot yeah, and kettle. It is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> But yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's given me something <laughs> um, and it's made me a more resilient person. Yeah, I was going to say you're very persever- yeah, persevering and um, resilient. I'd, I'd say I'm quite, so Amy always says I'm strong. You are! I, I don't think I'm strong, but I'm stronger okay. than I ever was before. Agreed. I'm still, you know, I struggle with a lot of things. I definitely have insecurities and self-doubt on a daily basis yeah i'm still not there yet in terms of self-love my friend the other day said to me bethany you just need to master self-love because mm. you just haven't got it it's true, it's I, true. I, 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 said, I said it to you as well be nicer to yourself yeah but you need to be nicer to yourself i'm nicer to myself than you are to yourself yeah i'm really <laughs> i actually can pull myself to pieces yeah. in a matter of seconds uh, yeah and i'm the worst for comparison but anyway <laughs> the worst uh but I'm learning and it's a journey. So, mm. but yeah, I'm stronger than I was before. And I think I'm a nicer person too. Yeah. Great. So is there anything you want to say about it that I haven't, we haven't covered thus far? I know you had a few points. I don't know if you've covered them. I don't know what my points work. How can I, can I go off of that? Just flick it up. Yeah. I have to put my bloody password in. Um, I don't really know what point. I don't actually think I wrote down the points. Oh, this is li- literally, oh, so it was about, Okay. I've put sitting with discomfort. Yes, yes. Let's okay. talk a bit about that. So I think with recovery, in recovery, you have to... As yeah, I've we, said, we haven't really spoken much about recovery. Speak, mm, yeah, speak a bit about that. You can, as, you know, pick and choose. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think with recovery, it's all about sitting with the discomfort. Mm-hmm. Recovery is not easy. No, it really And I know easy. I painted a picture of me being like, one day I was ill and then I was recovered. And I was lucky I recovered quite fast but then again I was anorexic for a very long time yeah. and my recovery was kind of like oh my god I just need to get better now and also if you think about if you look at it in the way if you if you think about it in the mindset you had there was a long time where you thought you were recovering and you weren't yeah so was... if we include that in it then it, then recovery is long yeah that's true I really thought I was trying and pushing forward for a very long time but I just wasn't doing enough mm. and I wasn't uncomfortable enough. Yeah. Because you have to feel shit for a bit and you need to feel like you're doing everything that you're not supposed to be doing. Because in your like, anorexic kind <laughs> yeah. of head, it's saying, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you have to do those things. Um, Recovery is a messy process. It's not, it's not like you know, completely smooth sailing. Mm. But for me, when it happened, it just happened. And one day I just sat there and thought, God, I feel so much better now. What was all that about? <laughs> I literally was just like, oh my God. I couldn't quite believe it. I think we met around the time I was kind of tiptoeing on the edge of being well. Yeah. And I remember being out with you and feeling like really refreshed. Yeah. Having our pasta our together. Pasta, our pasta. That was nice. That, yeah, that was really nice. We should go back there. 
But yeah, it was just, I think it was over, so summer 2019. Yeah. I just, over that summer, just had this, like, realisation that I wanted a really full life and I wanted to feel good and I wanted all the things that I deserve. Mm. So I just kind of got my act together and just did it. But this is why I call you strong, because mm. amidst that feeling of, like, I, I deserve better and I want to... I want a life that isn't riddled with eating disorders or whatever. Mm. There are also days where you don't feel like that. Yeah. You, recovery isn't this linear, you know, upward walk yeah. or hike or whatever. It's, 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 it's a struggle. Like yeah, you it's said, it's, it's difficult. It doesn't... Like, every day is not a better day. The no. day before might have been better. This, today I might feel shit and feel like, actually, do you know what? I don't want to fucking eat this, that and the other because I don't, I, 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 I don't feel like it. And there were days like that. But you didn't, you, you, you moved I forward. I just kept going forward because yeah. I, in a way, it felt like the only option. Mm. I'd had enough. Yeah. Like, I was done. I yeah. was fully done. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my only option was to just move forward. And I had a lot of this feeling of wanting to prove yeah. that I am amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that kind of pushed me forward, just proving that I am this, I am that. Mm. And, you know, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be great. I'm going to be great. So it was kind of like real motivation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... But, yeah, recovery, sit with the discomfort and do the things that scare you Yeah. on a daily basis. You can't, on Saturday, do something that scares you and then wait till the next Friday. And to... then on Sunday, starve yourself. <laughs> That's not recovery. Yeah. I was like that for so long. Like, I'd go out for these big dinners and then the next day barely eat. It's like, yeah. that's not recovery. That's not recovery. No. Recovery is sitting with this discomfort and eating more than everyone around, everyone else around you every day. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. They've got their own life. They're not underweight. Let them do their shit. Mm. Again, at the end of the day, you're doing this for you, not, mm. not anyone else. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 this is for your life, your yeah. health, your, your mental health, your future. Mm. So don't give a shit about what anyone else is doing. You know, have the chocolate brownie. If everyone says no because they're trying to be healthy, you have to have the chocolate yeah, brownie. Exactly. There is no choice. Eat it. <laughs> Eat it. Eat the cake. Eat the cake. Okay. So I guess that's something I wanted to mention. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard to like think of all the things because there are so many things. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, anorexia recovery is all about wanting it. Yeah, you have, you to, have want to really it. want it. And I don't it. think I really wanted it until that 2019 pinpoint area of my life. And I was like, I really, really want this more than anything else in the world. Mm. Great. Okay. To round mm. off Are then. you doing fires? Yes, and I'm prepared this time. Do you know what? Last time in the last episode, I was like... Amy, I want to give you these fire questions. And then Maya asked all of them and I just didn't have anything to say. (laughs) That's typical. I'm really bad on the spot. I've got them ready and raring to go. Okay, you ready? I'm just putting my lip balm on. My lips get a little bit dry. A little bit dry? A little bit dry. All right, what did you have for dinner yesterday? You are, oh you are the actual worst at these. Out of everybody. No, actually, this is actually an interesting thing. If I was anorexic right now, I would have remembered that off the tip of my tongue. Yes, it's so true. Because I was so obsessed with all the things I ate in a day. Yeah. Whereas now, I forget what I eat because it's not really the, it's pin, not the, focal, it's not the point. focal point yeah. of my day. Um, what did I eat yesterday? I actually think for dinner, I had an odd dinner. I think I had, yeah, I did have a falafel wrap. A falafel wrap. It's very lunchy. It was a lunch. It a was lunch a lunch dinner. dinner. Yes. Um, favourite film? Ooh. Um, 
So every Christmas I watch The Holiday. It's not my favourite film, but it's one that... Because Jude Law... I've mentioned Jude Law before, but he's like my favourite man ever. I've never met him. But The Holiday and also... It's Shawshank Redemption. That's Shawshank a really Redemption. good film. That's a great and, um, film. That, I'm going to just stick with that, but Those... I've definitely got other favourite Yeah, films. no, that's fine. It's just off the, off the top of your head. Next travel destination. So I'm going to Spain in June, hopefully, because I've got a little place there with my family if we can travel. And then I really want to go... Amy's going to be like, no, because I wanted to go to Mykonos. But Amy's <laughs> no. like, we're not going there. No, we can, we can. I just think it's very expensive for what it Ibiza, is. Ibiza, maybe? I'm always here for Ibiza. You know me, I love Ibiza. <laughs> Ibiza, maybe. Potent, potent. Um Favourite cuisine? <gasps> City of God. Sorry, I love that oh, movie. Yeah. I, do you know what? I've tried to watch it so many head. times, but I haven't watched it. It's, it's a Brazilian a good, film, right? It's amazing. Yeah, I, I watched watch it a couple of years ago, but I remember just thinking this is a really, really good film. Okay, watch great. Favourite cuisine? Uh, favorite cuisine would have to be Thai. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what flavor would you have your wedding cake? <laughs> Such a random Such, question. So far in the distance, <laughs> I can't even taste it. <laughs> <laughs> I will have flavor-wise. That's a really weird one. I don't know. I just was writing these late because usually wedding cakes are white. Yeah, but you don't have to have it like that. Just have vanilla? whatever you want. You just want a vanilla one. Yeah, vanilla Boring. cake. No, vanilla is um, such a good flavour. Death row dessert with with raspberry. With um, raspberry, okay. Death that's row dessert would be ooh a chocolate brownie. Re- no, chocolate souffle, mm. really gooey in the middle. Yeah. With an amazing ice cream on the side, and preferably normal ice cream, not dairy free. Mm. Yeah. I do get spots when I eat dairy, but I would. For, well, for death row, you're so going to die, so it's all fine. All the dairy oozing everywhere. Yeah. Maybe some, like, something on top of it. Yeah, it's like, like d- sprinkles and... Sprinkles? sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> like a raspberry coulis on the side. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. Oh, yeah. um, alcoholic beverage of choice. So it's either... A ma- actually, it's usually a margarita, but I had so many of them the other week, it's made me... <sighs> doubt, doubt the margarita oh, doubt the tequila um, yeah so margarita gin and tonic or a yeah that's probably yeah, it cool overdress or underdress oh do you know what I know come on no no you're, you think overdress yeah you must be overdressed I'm underdressed I like yeah, but do you know what sometimes I think underdressing is cool um, <laughs> yeah. but I feel I feel hotter if when I'm overdressed, overdressed. fine <laughs> favourite ice cream flavour um, I don't really have one. Oh. I like all of them. Okay. Oh, um, what's that? Not banana. Not banana. <laughs> banana. Uh, what's that? Not. Like, it's not fruity. It's... What are you saying? I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, do you know what I like? That cheesecake one. Oh, gross. Really? Yeah. I really like it from Hagendars. Like cheesecake. Mm, no, not for me. But okay, fair enough. Um, last question. Yeah. Something you're looking forward to. The marriage. I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. So my mind at the moment. I'm no, something actual, pra- practical. Okay, I'm looking forward to finishing my course. Okay. I'm currently really behind on it. Your interior life, design. Life's taken hold and yeah. lockdowns lifting. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my flat done up, which yeah. should be on June the 18th. Hopefully, it goes the way I want it to. But I'm a really perfectionisty person. Probably not. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, what else am I looking forward to? Going on holiday and um, meeting the man of my dreams. Fair enough. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you. Thanks for that little chat. <laughs> what about you? What are you looking forward to? Um, I don't know. 
I'm looking forward to the market. I'm looking forward to the Portbello market on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the ship on the weekend with so, you yeah, guys. Yeah, we're going to the ship on the weekend and it's probably going to rain. I bought a really nice top for that. There you go. It'll be fun. It'll be fun and fine. Fun and fine. Fun and fine. Yeah. Maybe flirty. For some, yeah. Not okay. for others. Not for others. Okay. We're done now. We're done. Okay. Say bye. Goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. <laughs>